SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update. Seven minutes after six o'clock as we head into the long uh, Easter weekend. First up, uh, as always, Google Tom Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Anglo-American Platinum, the world's largest producer of the precious metal, says it has extended its talks with the government about restructuring plans that could see it cut up to 14,000 jobs and mothball two mines. The plans by the Anglo-American unit to restore profits have been met by fierce resistance from the government and trade unions. Growth in credit demand by South Africa's private sector fell to 7% year-on-year in the month of February, compared with an unrevised 8.5% rise in January. And financial services group Investec will be the first or rather the next bank to bring about a mobile application. This follows a move made by the retail banks, FNB, Standard Bank and NetBank, who all launched smartphone apps for their clients last year. Capitec and Absa, though, have yet to launch their apps in the South African market. Turning to the market performance now, the JCO share index is closed flat at 39,860 points. The rand at 919 against the dollar, 1393 to the pound and 1180 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,597 an ounce. A barrel of green crude oil at $109 and the platinum price at $1,573 an ounce. David Shapiro of Sassen uh, alongside us here in studio. David, the market flat today. Uh, the real action, I guess, on the currency front, the RAND mm. strengthening significantly on the back of uh, positive economic data. We had a trade deficit <laughs> that wasn't uh, the size of our <laughs> annual budget. Um, I, I love it when you say positive. Only a 9 billion well, RAND David, deficit. 24. From 24, I know. That's, that's regarded as good news, I suppose. PPR well, is a good number. Mm. Ex- exports uh, up, I think, in motor exports were up, which I think might have satisfied the market. And the market was looking for an excuse to improve. I'm talking the RAND market was mm. looking for an excuse to uh, to pull back, and I think on the back of those numbers. So, um, yeah, I suppose if, if $9 billion is, is, is a good number, we did weak <laughs> when we saw that number. You know, $2 billion was more or less where we were, and in some months it was positive. But... Um, uh, imports were also down, I think, uh, after the Christmas season. There seemed to be a slowdown there as well. So, okay, none really, we, we'll live with it. It's better than 24. Not much price movement uh, to speak of on the JSC today. I think everyone left at lunchtime. I, it, it was pretty slack, and it really um, almost mirrors what's been happening in emerging markets over the first quarter. It's uh, For all emerging markets, mm. um, it's been the worst quarter apparently since 2008. On the other hand, we've got the S&P now at an all-time high. It's got to hold it. it, it it's, it's breached its closing high. So if it holds on to the current levels, then it will be a new level for the S&P. And it just shows you, you know, that's where all the action's taking place. The UK markets, European markets were all, all a lot better today as well. So we're lagging, and, and what's dragging us down hasn't been the industrials or financials, but mainly uh, miners. Miners still battling. The story today was worries over China's uh, tightening up of some bank risk controls, and uh, it just, just won't let miners uh, you know, take off. Speaking of miners, Kumba Iron Ore, there was a challenge by the Department of Mineral Resources and Imperial Crown Trading over that disputed mining right for uh, Sishin, uh, the Sishin Iron Ore Company. Mm-hmm. That legal challenge was dismissed by the Supreme Court of Appeal, and uh, Kumba, in its statement today, uh, says rather bluntly, this means that Sishin Iron Ore Company has the exclusive right to mine iron ore at the Sishin mine. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Full stop. Well, that's where it was, yeah. Um, the other issue is still unresolved with ArcelorMittal. Mm. Just, just on iron ore, 
the one um, S all came back about six percent today. Now that was outside of uh, normal mining because most of the losses on on the mining markets were they were moderate, around about one percent less than one percent. But S all for reasons that uh, you know was unable to de- identify came back about six percent and heavy volumes as well towards the end. So I'm not sure if there's anything behind that or whether that's just catching up with a general downward movement you know, that we've seen in Cumber and other, uh, other uh, metal, metal shares. One share going in the other direction, up uh, 50% today, Evra's. Evra's high fault steel and vanadium uh, selling its stake, Evra's PLC, the, mm. the company owned by Roman Abramovich, mm-hmm. um, selling its 85% stake in this local business, high fault steel, uh, to a rather opaque consortium mm. called Nemescore. Uh, PTY Limited, know nothing about them, no names mentioned. This is a three billion rand cash well, deal, David. That's, you, know, you know, it's interesting is that those shares, first of all, um, Everes or the old half alpha they be making losses. I mean, mm. really, whether they've been run poorly or whether it's just the, the industry, it's, uh, it's at a negative P. In other words, it's, it's, it's a loss making industry, uh, company. The shares have been trading around 13, 14 rand or thereabouts, and today, uh, um, basically doubled on the back of this deal. So someone sees a lot of value in it. Um, there's been a lot of noise from government that they want South Africa needs another steel producer. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone behind this, either government or um, you know, some other organization that's, that's like the IDC. Like yeah. the IDC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we saw a deal with yeah. Palabora Mining mm. not too long ago. That could be, you know, that could be funding it for an empowerment company. But good luck to the new uh, owners. This is a tough, tough industry. And for them, I, they must be smiling. I mean, well, you know, when, their price. when, when <laughs> Roman sells, David. <laughs> well, uh, maybe that money's got to go to Chelsea and it can start cheering Hilton. <laughs> David, um, Anglo American Platinum, uh, the review that it's undertaking mm. of its mm. operations. There are talks between itself, government, labor. Yeah. That's been now extended for and another, now 30, another days. thirty days, you know, and it just goes on and on. And uh, I, I, I just think it's it's something that has to be brought to head pretty soon. You know, this every day the old anorak. Uh, I don't know what they call the tiller the hun. What's it, atula? Atlatsa. Atlatsa. <laughs> well, whatever. You know, you can see the issues, uh, mm. funding issues uh, in the platinum belt. So, I think the sooner we get um, we, you know, some kind of agreement at Anglo Plat, the better it's going to be for everyone. David, uh, today is one of those days where, because of the long weekend and because of the time of year, companies have to report today. If you miss today, you, you get into trouble with the JSE. A never-ending stream of sends announcements, and it's all the smaller ones, companies that have hit the wall or are busy hitting the wall or have no cash, uh, companies that are delisting, companies that are trading mm. under cautionary. Mm. One of those, Gajima, mm. uh, the ICT provider, out with results, a complete minefield. Uh, they, they, in fact, call their results unaudited as opposed to unaudited. <laughs> so one wonders what that means. I, I, it's just an ongoing saga mm. of, of, of troubles that this company has. And if, any, if you would have backed a company to be successful, it would have been this one with the kind of contract that it had. Had, uh, it's, it, was, it was born out of ISCO. Mm-hmm. In other words, the IT providers of, uh, I think, of ISCO, you know, which is now ArcelorMittal and that. So they've had an incredible amount of, uh, you know, even I was reading the rights issue, they've got 2,000 highly qualified people, so they've got everything to make this company a success other than a lot of brackets around its numbers, you know. This so rights issue, David, oh, no. 3 billion <laughs> shares being issued. At, at a half a cent. 
at a half a cent. I mean, uh, there's only a billion shares in issue. Yeah, so it's a one for three. So you're going to get three for one at a half a cent. Shares trading at 15 cents at the moment, or we're trading on that. So literally, um, you know, I mean, just diluting this company to nothing. Going to have to consolidate after that. But it's just been ongoing. I remember they had that rights issue a few years ago where. Uh, I think Alan Gray and quite a few other institutions, you know, put their put their money behind it. All of that has just been whittled or eaten away. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. This technology, media and telecommunications report is brought to you by Vox Telecom, South Africa's leading alternative telco. Well, following the announcement by Pinky Maholi that she would be resigning as Group Chief Executive Officer of Telcom, the company has been plagued by a fair amount of uncertainty, uh, especially uh, with regards to who would take over that position and when. Today sees the announcement that Sipo Maseko will be taking uh, the top job at Telcom. As of the 1st of April, which is soon as Monday, uh, Sipo was previously the managing director of Vodacom South Africa and then the chief operating officer of Vodacom Group. Before that, he was uh, at BP South Africa, starting off as head of retail, moving up to chief operating officer and then to CEO of BP South Africa. Ernest Kaplan of Kaplan Equity Analyst joins us now. Ernest, uh, we don't know too much about Sipo Maseko, but uh, I guess good news that uh, there is finally an appointment and an appointment that takes effect uh, remarkably quickly. Yes, um, Hilton, thanks. We, you know, I don't know much about um, SIPO myself. Um, I haven't met with him, but but it is good news that now we know who will be the new CEO. And uh, I think also interesting in the announcement today that, uh, you know, Brian Armstrong has been made, um, you know, Chief Operating Officer, which I think is also a good thing. So it seems like there's a little bit more, well, let's put it this way, I think the... the the top management positions at Telcom are getting a little bit more known and a little bit more stable. As far as that appointment of Dr. Brian Armstrong is concerned, he comes in now as Group Chief Operating Officer. Before this, he was Managing Director of Telcom Business and, and rose very quickly through the ranks at Telcom Business. I remember at one point he was a Managing Executive and, and has taken over that portfolio completely. He seems to be well regarded, not only in the industry, but also inside Telcom. Uh, but uh, the, I guess the, the appointment shows that uh, the board uh, and the chairman understand and, and, and realize the need for, for someone with a lot of experience in telecoms to, to help lead this business uh, at least in the, in the short to medium term. Yeah, quite right. And um, I think Dr. Armstrong and Sipo Maseka will probably end up making a very good team if they can get it right. Um, with 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 Brian being more focused on the on the sort of telecom side of things and the operating side of things as his title implies, and perhaps the new CEO being more responsible with other stakeholder relationships and uh, dealing with government etc. So I think you know if they can gel well and, and do good things, it definitely is a good sign. What about the timing of this, Ernest? Uh, I always get the sneaky suspicion before Easter that there's going to be a couple of bombshells dropped on the market. We've seen a fair number of those today uh, in the mining sector and, and, and obviously this announcement. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, Papi Molotsane dropping the bombshell just before Easter weekend that he would, uh, he would be resigning. This announcement is, is practically one day before Sipo Moseko moves into his office on, on Tuesday. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, but... I, I, I mean, it's not, it's not really a bombshell because 
um, we all knew that Pinky was going to be leaving. So, mm. you know, it's just at least nice that we get to know who's going to be the new CEO. Maybe we could have known it a bit before, but I think, uh, you know, Telcom's been very busy, I suppose, with so many things on, on, on many fronts. And let me just remind you that, you know, for me, obviously it's great that they've appointed a CEO that we know of and now a COO, but for me, the, the big thing that we're waiting for is what is government's intention with telecom? Mm. Because, um, you know, when the KT deal was blocked, the impression that was created, at least to me, was that, you know, this deal's not going to go ahead. We will communicate what we want to do with telecom in due course. And I don't think we've actually found out exactly what, 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 what are the intentions and what are the options. Um, and I think that's the uncertainty that's really sitting underneath uh, underneath the stock at the moment. You speak about that uncertainty, the the uh, investors liking the news, stock up nicely today. But as you say, that uncertainty r- remains, and, and the challenges that Telcom faces don't go away. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the uncertainty of not knowing whether there's going to be another partner that's going to be looked for like KT Corp or, or somebody else, um, or whether <clears throat> government's just going to privatise the whole the whole thing, or whether um, you know there's some other plan. Uh, you know, it, it it makes it very difficult for investors to take, say, two three year views on these things, or even do long range forecasting. So, so until we know that, I think this stock's going to, in my opinion, probably stay. You know, at these levels, maybe drop a bit lower, or if it goes up, it's not going to go up much. But when we know what what the plan is, and if it's a good plan, or at least if it's if it's got some some legs, then I think the the the, the stock will have a, a much better chance to get re-rated and and to enjoy um, some uptrend. Ernest Kaplan is with Kaplan Equity Analysts. This technology, media and telecommunications report was brought to you by Vox Telecom, South Africa's leading alternative telco. The Vox Superphone and your ADSL line go together like taxis and rush hour. Ah! But we do give a hoot. Now you can use your ADSL for more than just surfing. With the Superphone, you can call any phone, anywhere using your ADSL line. You save money, earn rebates and Vox to Vox calls are free. No contracts, just plug and play. Your ADSL and the Vox Superphone. It's the perfect combination. Make the most of your ADSL. Visit voxsuperphone.co.za. Well, earlier this week we were joined by Chris Yellen, the MD of EE Publishers, to to talk through that exhaustive analysis of the pricing agreements uh, as to what BHP Billiton is paying ESCOM for electricity and its aluminium smelters following the Supreme Court of Appeal uh, decision which ordered ESCOM to disclose for the first time how the price of electricity sold to BHP Billiton smelters is calculated. Chris, we, we, we spoke through the three different methodologies. Uh, the first hillside, uh, the first two pot lines at hillside, the extension hillside pot line three, and then uh, the separate contract uh, for Mazel. Uh, and we got to an average figure of 27.15 cents. That's, that's according to your calculations. That's per kilowatt hour as to what BHP Billiton is paying ESCOM for electricity. Your analysis also included uh, a cost of electricity, average cost of of 41 cents a kilowatt hour, and that's not just a generation cost, that uh, is a cost of providing electricity. Just looking at that differential, if if we were to look at an average middle-income household in South Africa, 
We know that the rates are very different in, in all the different municipalities, uh, in metros versus smaller towns. On average, or, or, or looking at a range, I mean, what would the average uh, customer, consumer, residential consumer out there be paying their municipality for electricity? Yeah, as you say, it does vary from municipality to municipality, but uh, just taking a broad view on this, uh, I, I would suggest a figure of about one rand twenty per kilowatt hour would be perfectly typical. Chris, uh, other news in the industry making uh, headlines this week, uh, electricity buybacks. Eskom's mm. under immense pressure to abandon this practice and they're definitely not able to increase the amount of electricity they're buying back from industrial consumers. This sounds completely bizarre. They're effectively paying their large industrial customers more than those customers are paying them not to use electricity. It is bizarre. And, and I must first of all state uh, I get very irritated uh, when I hear Eskom or people talking about the power buyback program, because in fact Eskom are not buying back anything. They, uh, they are paying people and incentivizing them through payments not to produce in their factories and not to use electricity. Uh, they're not actually buying back power. They never actually delivered this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, as a point of terminology, I find it a very deceptive terminology uh, to somehow kind of uh, whitewash over the fact that, uh, in, in fact, they uh, they pay people uh, to shut down their factories, uh, and this has very severe consequences for production, for productivity, for uh, for, the, for the gross domestic product of South Africa, um, and, and for employees. Uh, it really is a serious matter, and, and to simply call it a buyback program is, in my mind, deceptive. But short and tall of it is, Eskom have been paying something like 75 cents per kilowatt hour uh, for people not to use that in kilowatt hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they've been paying uh, something like 1.8 billion rand in the period from January to May 2012. Something like 1.8 billion rand was paid to large users of electricity not to use electricity. And um, this practice, uh, of course, helps ESCOM uh, keep the lights burning, uh, but it has serious consequences in the economy. And um, the regulator has ruled that in future, those costs, like 1.8 billion rand a year, cannot be passed through to the other customers of electricity uh, through the tariff. In other words, if Eskom wants to do that sort of thing, it can do it for its own purposes, but it, it should not pass the cost thereof through to, the, through to other customers, uh, and it must pay for those, uh, that program, the so-called power, payback, power buyback program, just pay for it out of its um, profits. Uh, and accept, therefore, a lower return on um, assets employed. Speaking of uh, keeping the lights on, we heard the Minister of Public Enterprises, Malusi Gagaba, about a week ago, over last weekend, uh, warning South Africans to brace themselves for a tough winter. I've been scanning the uh, the systems updates uh, supplied by ESCOM. That reserve margin, uh, the difference between what ESCOM is generating and uh, what we're demanding of it to generate, is razor thin. Are we are we likely to see load shedding this winter? It's quite possible. Uh, when you're operating with reserve margins as low as they have been, uh, and they have been as low as 1%, mm. uh, when the normal sort of practice is 10 to 15%, 1% uh, 
what it means is that the risk of load shedding uh, increases. And I, I must say that uh, I think one must accept that at this time, in fact, demand um, is already exceeding supply. Uh, and that is why ESCOM runs its open cycle gas turbines on a you know on an extended basis. That is why uh, they, uh, they they pay customers to switch off load, and that is why they are exercising the interruptibility clauses in the contracts with BHP Billiton. So in fact, ESCOM are already interrupting BHP Billiton, and I had a word with Hilary Joffe on this uh, yesterday. They are already exercising them to the limit, and that means approximately two hours per week. Um, so uh, already uh, there is a kind of load shedding going on. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're exercising your interruptibility clause in the contract, when you are paying people to switch off, when you are going on radio begging people to uh, uh, please reduce power now, uh, and, 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 and the country responds by reducing power by 500 megawatts just as a result of a radio advert, this is a kind of a load shedding. <laughs> so at the moment, uh, 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 demand is exceeding supply, and as the winter crunch comes, it's likely to get worse. Chris Yelland is Managing Director of EE Publishers. Well, uh, a special podcast will be on MoneyWeb at some point over this long weekend, uh, ready for our return to work on Tuesday morning. We we also spoke, uh, myself and Chris, this afternoon about whether or not Madupi will indeed be finished by December. That's the uh, time uh, frame that has been uh, put out publicly. We also spoke about municipal tariffs. So that full podcast, as I say, available online at www.moneyweb.co.today as well as on our MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now apps. David, uh, not good news. <laughs> not good news as we head into winter. No, not at all. And I think, unfortunately, you know, uh, stories like this are only going to scare investors away. Not only scare local investors, but foreign investors as well, because no one can understand the consequences. And I can understand the upset where you're actually paying people not to produce. You know, while you're putting power into the grid, you're actually uh, hurting productivity. People get paid. You know, there's factories are stopping to Mm. work. means you don't pay your people. means uh, you get the, uh, you know, the opposite of the multiplier effect. The the economy starts to shrink. So I think these are, you know, of course they see well, it was a day where the JSE ended down just a couple of points, down 21.05% at 39,860 points. We saw resources going backwards, industrials and financials up about a fifth of 1%. U.S. markets uh, green, uh, the S&P above that uh, record level. It needs to hold it, as David told us earlier. Uh, European markets also in the green, the rand at 9.20 against the US dollar. Coming back from that 9.30 level, gold $1,596 an ounce. Well, this has been the SAFM market update with MoneyWeb, not with you tomorrow. We are back on Monday. It's 6.30 now and time for game plan.